Even though we live abroad, as women of Indian origin, we have a common thread that binds us together because of our strong cultural background. NRI Women is a platform for women to share their stories and experiences on various topics. Our podcast is about inspiring NRI women and their amazing stories. Some of the stories we've covered include growing up in a joint family in India, adopting a child as a single woman, and rebuilding one's life after the loss of a child. Take a listen. We hope you'll be inspired or learn something new. I'm Bettina. And I'm Lenora. And we're the voices behind NRI Women Podcast. We're all heart. Just look for NRI Woman wherever you get your podcasts or find us at nriwoman.com. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe. Hello. Voice cracked, I think. Hello. Welcome. This is Mouse. I'm and the, this is Weens. And I'm the married one down in San Diego. They call me Mouse because that was my nickname when I was a baby. What about you? She ate a bunch of cheese out of the package at the supermarket. Yes. My name is Weens. And when they brought me home, I looked like a big wiener all <laughs> rolled up. That's about it. it sausage. It was cans and sausage. And then I got a hands on massage. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, we are here, and this is this is our my friend Craig, who's a really lovely artist and uh, amazing person. He's a great photographer. Craig Abel Champion, mm. and he's a, a really cool photographer, a writer, and nice. an artiste of many sorts. He works for girls skateboards, designing some skateboards for them, and designed one of their girl dolls. That was just a big, crazy. Um, they had a big art show where a lot of these major artists did the girl doll skateboard show. Cool. And multimedia artist type. And <laughs> I think he's just really cool. So we're gonna do a little interview with him. You want to say anything, Mouse? Um, I just want to say, yeah. I don't know if this uh, triggers people. If uh, anyone is dealing with bipolar uh, disorder we do get into that with him and he does talk about some treatments hopefully it's nothing too bad but if you know that that's a trigger for you you may want to skip I don't know but it is very interesting death. it was very educational for me and ended on a very good positive note so yeah there we have okay let's talk about so it So let's meet Craig hi we're here officially <laughs> All right, I have to just set the scene here that we are currently stuffed into my front closet. (laughs) This is the first time you've recorded in the closet, huh? In the closet. (laughs) Craig's also in the closet with me. Well, we're both in the closet. I'm officially out of the closet. I'm so sorry to hear this, guys. (laughs) In the closet, out of the closet. So, what is. Oh, sorry. You know what? I can't hear Craig very well. Is there a way to turn him up or get closer? Yeah, we'll just get real close. Yeah. I'll right, talk sorry. Like <laughs> like I'm gonna. I'm gonna I just. Other. I love making you guys awkward. I don't know what I'm looking at over there. But <laughs> the more Here, awkward, take, the better. I'll take a picture. Okay, good. Um, who is Craig? So anyway. Tell us what's going on. What's going on? I have no idea. Craig is my friend from the neighborhood, and he is amazing. He's a wonderful and amazing human being. Nice. And how do you feel about yourself, Craig? Oh man, where do I begin? No, he's he's an artist. He's a wonderful photographer, also a writer and everything. But we were having a whole discussion about um, you focusing on more of your photography right now. But how do you want to go into like your backstory of all that? How you used to shoot for Burton and. I don't know. It's up to it's up to you two. I mean, uh, my backstory. I mean, how far back do you want to go? That goes all the way back to the nineties. Um, I like I mean, the nineties. Like, that was a good. Nineties are good. We all. I'm kind of stuck in the nineties. Um, <laughs> I really am. I realize that about myself. So you could talk nineties all day long. <laughs> the nineties. Oh man, I was living in Chicago at the time. I don't um, want to breathe up your nose. <laughs> 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 uh, 
How's your breath? Is it okay? <laughs> we both ate the same thing. So. Okay. Yeah, mine smells like candy popcorn. Me too. We were eating birthday cake popcorn <laughs> What? <from> Trader Joe's. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Nice. It's very yeah. sugary. I don't really like either of those separately, but together they're... <laughs> so <laughs> why combine them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, God, the 90s, man. What a great time. And they seem, to have, they seem to have come back around uh, with these millennial folk. Really? Uh, Is it having yeah. a resurgence already? Yeah. I really? guess so. Nirvana. It's been Everybody's a- wearing their Nirvana t-shirts. They're selling them at Target. Really? I mean, mm-hmm. they're also selling Pink Floyd, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. I love I it. So when did you graduate too. high school? Let's get a, a round number I gradu- here. I graduated high school in 86. Okay. Yeah. So I was 90. Weens was 94. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm old. Go. No, we're in the same, like... We're in the wheelhouse. Era, <laughs> yeah. So why are so, you exciting? I want to hear your story. <laughs> why am I exciting? Yeah, why do people um, care? I think you, I think you've been lied to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I trust my sister's judgment. She only picks um, the finest of the crop. So. <laughs> um, I don't know what was that. Well, I went to. I was in Chicago. I'm a Western kid. I'm a West Coast kid, just like you. Um, I was born in Long Beach, actually, but I was living in Chicago. I just graduated from the University of Illinois in, uh, with a degree in photography, and <clears throat> I'd just gone to work um, in a small graphic design studio started by a friend of mine who I'd gone to school with um, ca- called Ohio Girl Film and Design, mm-hmm. and we were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Am I allowed to curse on this oh, show? Yeah, okay, cool. Thank God. Oh, I love you guys. Um, um, We were doing all sorts of crazy fucked up shit. I mean, we were, at the time, Chicago had, along with Seattle, had one of the greatest indie music scenes in the country. And it just so happened that we were called upon to do a lot of the artwork for the records. Um... You know, Did you have like were... a sub pop label type place where everybody was coming out of, or who was big then? I'm like trying to remember. Oh, like you know, like a lot of the bands that were coming out of Chicago at the time were like Smashing Pumpkins and oh, um, yeah. Liz uh, Liz Fair. Fair. Oh. Um, but but there was there was a lot going on. A, a band that we. Did a lot of work for it was a band called Hum. They were actually out of Champaign, Urbana, but hmm. um, just that general area. Um, there was a lot of good music coming out of there, and there was Wilco happening, and there was um, I remember them. Um, there was Tortoise, and there was um, I remember them too. Um, <laughs> Brock Brown loved them. <laughs> oh, Brock! Shout out. And um, and we were also really deeply involved in the skateboard scene there, and you know, so it was skateboarding and snowboarding and music and just a lot of subculture trouble <laughs> being caused out of that office. You know, did you do you know the subterranean theater in Chicago? Um, yeah, I shot Gogur Badella there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It was a big, cool, hip venue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and our our office, um, well, we had a big loft for a while uh, on Polina, and then our and then we moved our office moved. We were right above a venue called Well, God, I'm in L.A. right now. I want to call it the Shortstop, but it's not the Shortstop. Mm-hmm. It's a bar like Shortstop <laughs> is a cop bar by yeah. Dodger Stadium. Um, hmm. um, it, it's um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll think of it. But it was one of the it was one of the premier music venues, uh, little um, rock music venues at the time. And we were, our office was right above it, and it was in our lease that we got into all the rock shows for free. That's cool. Um, yeah. That's fun. I could imagine that, like, San Diego, the Casbah or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It was, it was great. And, and all of our friends from school were in the music business in one way or another, either in bands or making, you know, screen printing custom gig posters or sound engineering or, 
you know, doing photography or, you know, whatever. It's So we were all tied in with friends and, um, you know, it was a really good time. We were just all partying and going to rock shows every night and, you know, working really hard during the day, you know, doing design work and making art and, you that know, skateboarding and... Did you yeah, guys? Like, all... I did that in the '90s, except for the working hard part. <laughs> and did you guys all live shows. live together too? Were you all kind of intermingled, like roommates? And no, well, two of the two of the um, the guys in Ohio, girl John and Andy, lived lived in the loft, and then I lived. Um, did you say prob- girl John? No, Ohio no, girl? Ohio girl was the name of the Comma, company. John. Oh, yeah, oh, got it. Yeah, John and Andy lived in the loft, and. Um, Oh, it's funny. I remember once I um, showed up at the loft one morning, and we had a sl- we had one of those old slot car tracks, those electric slot car tracks. I don't uh, know what know, that is. What's a okay, slot car, track? A sl- slot car track is um, it was like a little boy thing. Okay, so it's <laughs> a it's a little race race track, like Hot um, Wheels. Yeah, like Hot Wheels, except it's a wider track, and it's electric. Mm. Oh, we had one of those, yeah. So you put them together. You put them together, and you make these tracks, right? Like a train. They're almost like magnets. No, they're electric. Yeah, they're electric, but they have little grooves in them, and then you put these race cars down on them, and and you have these little guns, and you make them go. You make the cars go. Yeah. But the best thing is, is um, what you guys can't see, I had to move because Craig is enacting this, gesticulating all of it. Uh, <laughs> with yeah. His hands going, you know, the tracks and running them back and forth. Yeah. And then he just did his gun finger. <laughs> Be careful where you put your gesticulates in my sister's closet, just saying. <laughs> but that's um, cool. Yeah, so I show up and... Billy Corgan is sitting there playing with the slot car (laughs) track. And I remember I show up and I'm like, oh, that's weird. The Smashing Pumpkins are hanging out in our loft. That's cool. (laughs) And so I walk over and I sit down next to him and I grab the other gun and I put a car down and... I just, we just kind of acknowledge each other and we start racing and <laughs> we're racing and racing and racing and like his car flies off the track and he doesn't even get it. He just kind of like glances at me and gets up and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that's, that's my only like Smashing interactions pumpkin. with, um, the Smashing Pumpkins. I had an interaction <laughs> with the Smashing Pumpkins. I sat next to him at his his bass player Ginger's wedding and um, yeah I sat next to him the whole wedding dinner and he was not the warmest guy in the world did you talk to him I can see why he didn't pick up that car (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's very he's very introverted yeah you know he's very shy and introverted yeah he might just be shy and yeah he was staying at the Grand Californian at Disneyland when we were staying there and he walked by with his people and we walk by. <laughs> that's that's very. That, that seems very. He doesn't seem like a very. He doesn't seem like a Disneyland person. <laughs> I know, which is kind of weird. So I thought maybe he was having a meet up with Tim Burton in the haunted mansion during Halloween time or something. That was my only like. Oh, that makes sense. P- pumpkin. Yeah. They were meeting for I lunch. Don't know. Actually, my friend, my ex, had a good story about a uh, buckethead wanting to leave Guns and Roses, and he was really nervous to get out of the band do you know but bucket was a guitarist for a while and uh so he had heard stories about axel rose or he was just nervous about axel rose i not he heard stories he was in the band he was nervous <laughs> about him so he someone told him to uh find a neutral place to do the i want to get out of the band talk so he <laughs> met axel rose on the dumbo ride at disneyland he wouldn't do it until they were on the ride oh on my dumbo that's where he broke up out of the band oh my god in the happiest place on earth yeah nice public place where axel couldn't freak out oh my god it's probably smart oh my god solid plan solid plan solid so then what happened i'm gonna pull us up to photography so yeah so i started am i hurting you no no not at all so i started um (laughs) as far as you know um so i started uh 
shooting a lot of skateboarding, and I um, decided to make an all 16-millimeter skateboarding film called Cornland, um, which you can see on YouTube um, still. What's your last name? Abel Champion. Mm-hmm. Plug. Craig Abel Champion. YouTube. <laughs> Wait, there's a lot of champion talk. I'm hearing champion Illinois, champion, is there? Well, it's champagne, Illinois. Oh, whoops. Yeah. I've had a beer and a wine already, sorry. Oh, that's Yay! okay. <laughs> Opa! Right. You know, when you, when you, normally when you shoot skate videos, you shoot it on video, because when you shoot action sports, you know, there's a lot of falling going on, and, and film is expensive and, and all that, so... Um, but I really wanted to shoot on 16 millimeter film um, because I thought it looked amazing. Um, and so I did. And my friend Andy at Ohio Girl produced it and we made it. And it had like this really cult impact in the skateboarding world and awesome. got me noticed in some places. And one of the places was Burton Snowboards, um, which at the time and still is one of the biggest snowboarding companies in the world. And um, I got a job shooting, traveling the world, shooting snowboarding for Burton for the next four years. Wow. That's amazing. How old were you at this time? 19 um, or something? No, no, no. I think I was, I think I was um, 25, I want to say. That's amazing. 25, 26. How fun. Um, so yeah, I, and and you know Burton had the best snowboard team in the world. So I was traveling the world with the best snowboarders, with the best snowboarding company all over the world, taking photographs. And um, and you I were a skateboarder, snowboarder, presumably, right? If you're in this kind of yeah. culture already, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, mm-hmm. I was. I was. I literally couldn't believe it. I I, I couldn't believe that. It was happening. I, I mean, I just was beside myself, mm-hmm. basically. So how does that work? Do they pick up all your tabs, or do they give you, like, a salary? Or I don't even know how the... Per diem. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, you just kind of... They tell you where you're going to go, and I can't really remember, but, you know, you just the, a ticket just kind of shows up, and then you show up at the airport, and some of the riders are there either on layover or you know and they and you just kind of show up and everyone gets on the plane and you just show up and then all the team managers are there and they just kind of take over the trip wow and you're just part and, of the team like olympics you're just traveling around yeah yeah nice. you're just part of the team and all you know all the team managers take over and you're just along for the ride after that that's and cool. um everything's taken care of yeah and everything's taken care of and and that's how the band stuff is too it's yeah really yeah, and then and then occasionally you I would go off on smaller trips to other places with rider like they would call and say, "Hey, we want you to be here with you know, these riders are going to meet you there and you know, we need these kind of shots, you know, and blah 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 and I would go and do that. And um that was that was just as fun. It was great. That's so was it just cool. partying like crazy and or would is everyone super dedicated and professional or it was both yeah it was like sports too in that way i mean it it is a sport what am i talking about it was both there was a whole spectrum of people on the team there was people that didn't party and there was people that partied and everything in between so it was it was both that's how did you get out of that did it kind of just fall away or um yeah I got some commercial directing opportunities after that. You know, I directed a few music videos when I was in Chicago working for bands. So, uh, you know, a friend of mine suggested that I go to L.A. So I did, and I got signed to a commercial production company and started directing some TV commercials. And That's amazing got into that whole business for a while um so is that yeah and are you a believer of it it is who you know like people getting you into gigs and stuff like that or it definitely can't hurt yeah i think that relationships 
are a big part of it, yes. Relationships mm-hmm. and knowing how to sustain those relationships, which I, turns out, am very poor at. <sighs> um, you just fall away and... I'm really, much. I'm really bad at selling myself. Mm. Um, That's a hard part. It's a common artist problem. Yeah, you know? for artists. Yeah, like in the skateboard and snowboard worlds, you know, those worlds, like, it's very incestuous, and it's ve- those worlds are very insular and very small, and everyone kind of knows each other, you know. So, and they're very particular, and um, they're they don't like outsiders you know doing their work for them Mm -hmm. um they're very like you know snowboarder owned skater owned you know especially back in the 90s you know it was like jobs would just come you know you really didn't once you were in you really didn't have to sell yourself you know you you were just kind of in but once i stepped out of that world that approach really didn't work or that non-approach really didn't work (laughs) But I had reps and stuff, and then, um, but I, I was really particular about what I wanted to direct, and and you know I was very naive and very um, foolish, and I was very cocky. Were you? Yeah, I was a little cocky, but I just I was also like I was an artist, and and I and I had this foolish idea that there was art to be found in advertising, and and I didn't want to sell tacos and. Um, I, I was very choosy about the jobs I took and they, they just got tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, like nobody really wanted to like work with me anymore. And so I, you know, the jobs became fewer and fewer and, and I became increasingly frustrated and, um, I, I ultimately, you know, sort of pushed myself out of the, um, advertising industry, I think. Mm-hmm. And and I'm glad that I did because it, it just awful. it just wasn't for me. It was kind of killing me um, inside. I'm just not. I wasn't built for it. You know. I, I, I can just, I just say I'm gonna plug you for a second because your work is amazing and gorgeous and it is very unique. And how did you describe today? Like we were talking about how to because now you're you are working on having to almost half like what they call the elevator pitch for your script where you have to, if someone were to say, Hey, what kind of photographer are you? you oh, say, right. Oh, oh, I just, that came off the top of my head. I think I said something like, um, well, instead of saying like, Oh, I'm a landscape. travel photographer or landscape photographer or commercial photographer, you know, try to come up with something a little more compelling. Like I take portraits that disobey archetypes and um, genre, something like that, you know. Um, it does, yeah. But his, it really does. His work is beautiful. It's just gorgeously executed, but you gorgeously executed. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, yeah. It uh, is. And you have a beautiful eye. And we're talking about that too. Can you describe what you, how you see the back of things? What do you mean? <laughs> how you're describing how you can see differently. Oh yeah. Um, I know. It's a I didn't. Different I there. didn't know. Yeah, well, I didn't know that I could do that. Well, I went to a neurologist. I, I go to a neurologist for a whole other reason of issues that I have. Um, I don't know if you know this, but human beings have issues. Yes, <laughs> I, ha- I have. I have a number of them. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel awkward. No. Um, well, I, you know, I, I, I've, it was. It's been a lot when I was. It started when I was. You know, this is going to begin like it's going to sound like it's long and boring, but also. <laughs> It's it's they had trouble <laughs> diagnosing me since I was two. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't know what was going on with me. Um, I, I didn't speak for a very long time. Uh, and then when I finally did speak, I began speaking in full sentences. Wow. Um, and I didn't walk for a very long time. And then one day I just stood up and started walking. Um, How old were you? Do you remember? Uh, I think I was three. Wow. Hmm. And um my dad took me to get swimming lessons, and I refused to get. After about three set three sessions, the swimming teacher 
told my parents I wouldn't even get in the water, and my dad, well, this will be an insight into my... <laughs> your father and your childhood. Dad, you know, screaming at me to get in the water, you know, and wanted me to do swimming lessons, and so I just jumped in the pool and swam across the pool. Um, Just to, like, prove them wrong. Yeah. So so I've had, you know, issues um, in certain ways, I guess. And um, so I'm bipolar one. Um, When did you get diagnosed or what happened there? um, I got officially diagnosed in 2007. Okay. Oh, wow. It took that long. Yeah. Well, I had other diagnoses throughout, like, when I was in high school and whatever. I'm bipolar one with uh, major depress uh, treatment resistant major depressive disorder. Um, I've had electroconvulsive therapy for the last eleven years. Wow, which is gnarly when you describe. I, yeah. I won't derail, but we'll get back to that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've recently just tried to stop that uh, treatment because it's affected my mem- memory tremendously. And I've started a new medication literally, I think, five or six days ago um, that has only been on the market a couple of years. And I'm still sort of adjusting to it. But so far, so good. And hopefully I won't have to have my brain shocked anymore. But that would be nice. It's crazy. He has a your own designed bite block for when they, right? Because you've had to go so many times that you got your own custom designed one yeah because they shock you and you it didn't you say it's like a major seizure yeah the whole point yeah i mean it's it's you know it's funny well here's the thing a lot of people think when you say ect they're like what's that and you say well it's called electroconvulsive therapy and they're like oh that sounds confusing and then you're like it's electroshock therapy, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And yeah. then they they immediately think of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. and it's not like that at all. It's still a high impact procedure. It's like, you know, they but they but they put you, you have a general anesthesia. They put you under just barely. The, the further you're under, the worse of a seizure you have. The less you're under, the better of a seizure you can have. Um, so they're so they, inducing a seizure in you. Yes, that's the whole point. They wow. induce a seizure in your brain, which creates the chemical that you need that my brain does not create. So that's the whole purpose of the uh, procedure. Now, when the procedure happens, it's still... Uh, it's funny because I asked my psychiatrist that that does the procedure i'm like hey i want to film this and he's like craig trust me you don't want to film this really i was like okay but it's you don't you deserve to know what's that's what i told him and 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 i was like ah you know whatever i i didn't know what i would actually use it for except for pasta ah nothing yeah it doesn't scare me i I don't know um i I have bitten out my front teeth twice (laughs) doing what? it and i've woken up during the procedure twice which isn't oh pleasant oh god what does that look like it doesn't look like anything it feels like you're suffocating to death <gasps> really yeah because <sighs> they breathe they have to breathe for you because they give you a paralytic uh when they do the procedure so when you have the seizure <sighs> you're not like thrashing around on the bed and uh, stuff um so your, your entire body's paralyzed um dude I, are you intubated do they breathe like through a tube for you yeah yeah you Whoa. yeah you are so mm-hmm. yeah you're choking there's a tube down your throat yeah and they don't they're not breathing as fast as you want to breathe so right. you feel like you're drowning um basically <sighs> and um, also didn't they discover and I could be wrong, but I think I retained it. But um, the type of they discovered that for bipolar people, that when you have a like epileptic seizure, they found it in people that had epileptic seizures that also had bipolar disorder in those people with epileptic seizures. When they would shock for the epilepsy, that's when they discovered it helped bipolar, right? Yeah, that that that's the whole purpose of ECTs. You're 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 creating that same kind of seizure. Hmm. But they only discovered it from 
actual epileptics that uh-huh. would have this that happened to have bipolar yes, on top of that. Yes, that's exactly right. So yeah. Craig was lucky enough to have had. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and crazy. and I don't. I'm making it sound like a night uh, like this big nightmare, but I, but but ECT saved my life. How? You know, I I don't. I, I'm not Dude, going. So low I'm not. Level. I'm not going in there to to do this for no reason. I mean, it, it it saved my life, and 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 I'm very grateful for the procedure because I you know I wouldn't be able to function without it. Can you describe that? Because when you told me, it's like your brain gets so depleted of dopamine. Is it? That you almost are suicidal. It or, gets depleted of of uh, I can't I can't remember the name of the um of the actual chem- of the actual chemicals. I'm going to um, take a stab in the dark. Acetylcholine? No. I I can't I can't remember <laughs> right now. Yeah, Joe's a neurologist. Um, no, I'm a neurologist. Oh, Come right, on, no. I took a class once. She designed posters at a uh, Yeah, I was a graphic design for a biotech, so there you go. Uh, yeah, wait, can't. now can we go back, because I'm not following, I mean, I am following, but I want a little bit of the backstory. So what, how did you know you were bipolar? I mean, of course they diagnosed you, but what led up to that? Um, For years, I was just kind of all over the map, um, and it just got worse, and it just got worse and worse and worse. I mean, I would have constant flare-ups and then I would stay up for days and then I would just wouldn't be able to leave the house. And I'm a quick cycling bipolar person Mm -hmm. generally. Um, And then... Because bipolar basically uh, is manic episodes followed by super depressive episodes. Does that always go hand in hand? Yeah. And and, Mm -hmm. and I have have what they... I normally have what they call mixed, mixed mania depression which is a very dangerous kind of depression. Um, and I forget the statistics. I think it's one in four or one in five people usually die that have that. Wow. By suicide? Yeah. Because um, mixed mania depression is uh, the kind of depression where you're both manic so on the outside, you can look up and moving around. It's not the kind of depression where you want to stay in bed all day and, you know, you you look the part of depression. Mm-hmm. You're manic and you're running around doing shit, but inside you're dying. Wow. So people, so you're not giving away any of the visual cues of a depressed person necessarily. Right. Um, so who that like I would know would have fallen into this category? Any like celebrities that famous people? Oh. Yeah. Oh God. Hunter uh, S. Thompson. No. So, oh man. So so. Oh man. I don't know. Uh, I mean. Yeah. So 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 many people probably have, have had it and are probably not alive because of it. Right. Um, I mean, maybe he wasn't even diagnosed back then. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm almost not alive because of it as well. Really? Um, what happened? Or was it too dark? Um, you don't have to. Don't feel pressure to talk. Yeah, about I'd, it. yeah. I'd rather not. Yeah. I'd rather not go over that stuff and make yeah, your yeah. and make your podcast super <laughs> de- more depressing than it already is. Go back to photography because um, <laughs> uh, that th- then we're getting into some really dark territory. Uh, yeah. you know, but um, it wasn't pretty. Uh, there's people I know that have that have you know died from this disorder, and there's a lot of stigma around this disorder there's just you know there's stigma around mental illness in in general and i'm a big advocate for speaking out about it and what i mean by that is telling i'm comfortable talking about my own disorder because i think the only way that we get rid of this stigma is by the people who have it talking about it right um and airing it out because it's okay to talk about I have cancer. It's okay to talk about I have diabetes. It's okay to talk yes. about normalize every let, everything let else, but start. this. Um, and and I'm a normal person, you know. Mm-hmm. I, and what people don't realize is when you hear like 
oh, I have bipolar disorder or I'm schizophrenic or I'm this or that. They think like, oh, they become scared of you. And it's like, you know what people don't realize is when I'm in the middle of my disorder, I guarantee you I'm way more scared than you are. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, and the the plain and simple data is is that people with mental illness are far, far, far more likely and not only likely, but are the ones being attacked and assaulted and murdered than the ones doing the assaulting and attacking and murdering. Interesting. People see them as as someone to attack. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not... It just needs to be aired out. And I think that um, I'm not ashamed of who I am. Do you feel that your ups and downs lead to your art? Is that part of who you are? Are you kind of proud of it in a way? Well, it it has to be part of my art because it's who I am. I mean, I I would have to say yes. I don't know if it's direct. I don't think about it that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't try to connect it to my art. I don't make, I don't like to try to make a statement about my mental illness in my art. Right, the label, um, I'm sure. You know, I, I sure, I guess it's kind of connect, uh, you know, because it's part of who I am, but I don't I don't try to infuse it into my art, mm-hmm. you know. I used to work so, at a biotech really quick, and we did uh, research into people who had insomnia, and it was like they hated it, they hated it, but they kind of liked it because it was part of their identity, and they identified with this group of people who stayed up all night, and that's when they got a lot of their, you know, artistic work done. So I can imagine it It kind of becomes part of you and your art in a way, but right, you don't necessarily want the the label of it, so. Or you don't know where one ends and one starts because it's just who you are. It's who you are, yeah. Who you are. Yeah, it is. It is. And when I'm, and when I'm in the middle of a bipolar trip, it's like, I don't know that I am. Hmm. You find you find out later. Uh, you know, sometimes I know I'm hypomanic, which is bipolar too. I still have hypomanic episodes, and I'll tell you, uh, the right hypomanic episode is awesome. That's that's like the that's like the great the part. Of, that's high. like the great part about being <laughs> so bipolar. hypomanic. So hypo meaning a little less than. It's not hyper. Yeah, hype. Hypo man, a lot of really successful people are are bipolar too, mm-hmm. because uh, you know you can stay up for like three days. Like or right? oh, I've I've had runs where it's been like uh, twelve days and what? gotten like hallucinating at that point. Gotten right? like uh, well, it's been like twelve days with maybe six hours of sleep total. Wow! But like uh, <laughs> and just gotten tons of stuff done and. I mean, tons of good stuff, like not going, not crazy stuff, but tons of good stuff. Mm-hmm. But then the downfall is, is, is falling into a deep suicidal depression after that. Really? Um, yeah. Is that but, just the body think... or the brain? Like, I don't know much about this, so inform me. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, oh. That's just me. Uh, you know, I don't know. It might be different for other people. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's the same for everybody. You have your own. I always wonder because it felt like this even taking Adderall and stuff like that, that for the amount of hyper or, well, the amount of things that I have is you get a couple of good days of that crazy juice and then there's a equal amount of the, the exact pendulum swings from the high to the low. So if it was that good, it's going to be that bad. This doesn't make sense. Does that make sense? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's... it's um, hmm. I, I, I understand that, yeah. Is that sort of the case? Like, is hyper, hypomania is the amount of depression that you would get 12 days of deep, dark depression for your 12 days of super... Oh, no, no. Um, I don't know if the days are equal. I, I don't think... I don't think that... No, that's not necessarily how it works for me. My my depression, my my cycles are very weird and random. Um, hmm. And they can come on in three seconds. Like, I can be having... In a closet doing a podcast? Yeah. Like, I can <laughs> With be... With me up in your grill and yeah. my elbow in 
your leg. Sorry about that again. I can be having the greatest time on the total most normal time in the world, and within three seconds, I am suicidally depressed, ready to jump off a bridge, and I have no idea when that is going to end. So there's no trigger. Nothing necessarily happens nope. that nope. gets you it's there. Just... Well, Joe, so you were in the neurology field. Do you, and you've always told me, you're like, your brain just squirts less happy juice, serotonin, whatever. So take antidepressants. Just do it because your chemicals. This is my very basic girl impression of it coming from a pseudoscientific background. That, yeah, I just feel like any organ, some secrete the right amount of hormones and, and chemicals and some don't. So why not, you know, equilibrate the whole thing with with drugs that have been tested and if it's not the right drug and saying i don't want to take yeah tighter it up or down and find that just do it exact dosage that might get you where a quote-unquote normal or typical brain would get you so Mm -hmm. you know and i'm sure it's different with every diagnosis and every you know gland or area of the brain that is involved but yeah that's kind of my perception of it I don't know. I kind of, is way different. I kind, of, I, I kind of agree. I have people ask me a lot, actually, like, you know, because like I said, I ta- I speak out about it. So people, a lot of people know my situation. And I take 10 meds every day. Mm-hmm. And I have people ask me a lot, like, well, don't you care about taking meds? And I'm like, you don't ever want to see me when I'm not taking those. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. It's a quality of life issue for me. Yeah. You're just almost you know, like insulin and diabetes. Though. It's like, it's like it's like look, if you're if you have a depression issue that is making your life unmanageable or miserable and it's going on and on and on and it's non-circumstantial like you're not grieving somebody or you got you didn't just get a divorce or had to put your best pet down or for whatever reason and it's been going on for a long time what is your aversion to taking some medication to 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 fix that i mean you 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 take aspirin for a headache right right that's or do you drink more water like like yeah. you do whatever for your cold Whatever form it comes in, it's a quality of life issue for each individual person. It's like, what do you want for yourself? It's for me, I my medication doesn't get me the whole way. So every six to eight weeks, I have to get my brain shocked to reset. And my medication keeps me stable and gra- at six to eight weeks that's when I start to drop off and my medication, you know, starts to starts to not do the trick anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's when I have to go get reset. So and I've tried, you know, and over careful, careful study, we've tried going longer. We've tried, you know, and it, it just didn't work. So we know six to eight weeks was my reset time. So it's it's up to you how you want to manage your disorder, you know. It's it's really up to you. Um, so did you poke me because you're talking to me, <laughs> or you just meant the general world? Okay, that's so I, good. No, that's no, so no, no, not, good of you, you to know, recognize it though, and to really take it into your own hands and deal with it and do it on a schedule. And, and yeah, and if and if yeah. you don't do it, you know that's fine. Um, but know that. It's up to you. It is up to you. And and the, and the mental health care system is broken, mm. but it's up to you. And it's also good for you to know that there are so many compounds out there that can help you with your depression or bipolar or whatever disorder you have. I get so frustrated hearing hearing people say, oh, I got prescribed this this antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication, but it gave me a weird side effect, so I quit taking it, or I just didn't like it, or whatever, or it wasn't working. 
So I just quit taking it, and now I don't like it, and now I'm not on anything, and I'm still depressed or anxious or whatever. And it's like, no, that's not acceptable. Go back to your psychiatrist and tell them that. Um, You know, try something different. Try a combination of something. Maybe you weren't on the right amount. Maybe you were on too much. You know, you can take that medication and then take another medication to counteract a side effect. Don't just go off a medication cold turkey. Some of these medications, if you go off them cold turkey, it's dangerous. That's you know, what I feel there's, too. As there's, an outsider, there's, just yeah, there's so much out there and so much help and so there's many so ways. much help. And it's yeah. like a, you have to be your own best advocate in this broken system. Mm-hmm. And so many people that have disorders or are undiagnosed go to get talk therapy, which is fine and good and everything. But it's my belief that. If you have a mental disorder, a chemical mental disorder, you need to be seeing your psychiatrist as often as a normal person would see a therapist Mm. and seeing a talk therapist secondary or seeing a psychiatrist that doubles as your talk therapist, which is what I do, because If your psychiatrist doesn't know what's going on with you and you're not checking in with that doctor on a regular basis, they are not going to know how to treat you. You need to be so specific with how you're feeling, what side effects you're feeling to the nth degree. Like if you're feeling the littlest thing, the different I need to change my medication roughly every two years. That's like my cycle with medication. Mm -hmm. You need to change that up. You need to go in and talk to them because having a mental disorder isn't like having a physical problem. Mm -hmm. You can't see a bone sticking out. You can't get your test or (laughs) do a blood test or a Mm -hmm. cardiogram or whatever. It's up to you, even though they're doctors and are professionals, they can't see inside your head. You are their barometer. What you tell them, you need to be specific. Why can't they see? Why can't they do some kind of, there's no brain test that they could do to see levels of serotonin or dopamine or they sure the they Sure, they can do that. I am but, wondering. But, oh, I've always... Sure, they can do that, but they can't measure your emotion they can't yeah. measure your sight you know they can't measure how you're feeling how you're mm-hmm. navigating the world which is your behaviors on how that dopamine and all that stuff is affecting you and that's different for everyone and mm-hmm. you need to be very specific with them you can't just go in and be like i'm depressed give me something like they're not going to know what to do with that. No, it doesn't matter how good the doctor is. They're going to prescribe you something and send you on your way. Yeah. Sure, but right. you know, it's yeah. on it's Put on some work into it, It's basically. on you to be your own best advocate and then to follow up and to, you know, make it took me 9 years to finally find the right cocktail. And I'm not saying that to be discouraging cuz I definitely had successes in there, but well, yours is intense. This is really... this is not an easy game, but I'm telling you, if you want a quality of life that I feel like a normal person finally, and I feel like I I can navigate life and I can be a normal person, and and he's so sweet, and you know, <laughs> and you have one of the kindest hearts, by the way. <laughs> which Thank you. It's sad to not if that was masked by. You know, not being able to feel normal or, mm-hmm. you know, if you were in episodes and no. all over the place. You're like the sweetest, most gentle, loving person. Yeah, I mean, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm depressed or not on medication, I can be all over the place. I can be a huge asshole. I can be, like, psychotic. I can be, like, whatever it is. I mean. Yeah. I'm glad you're you and you found your right medication. Whoops, I just hit the mic. Hey, we're at Tabs. Yeah, what a great message, Craig. I'm so glad I got to meet you this way and to hear your story. I think it's so inspirational and hopefully Mm -hmm. can open people's minds to 
getting diagnosed, getting treatment, and talking about the treatment, and moving forward to find exactly what people need to make it fit. And like you said, quality life, that's what it's all about. So It is about quality of life, Amazing. and thanks for having me on. Sorry I wasn't funnier. No, no, stop. <laughs> it's not about being funny. It's no. about being real. This is real life. Yeah. This is us. So Good. We love you. Thank this you. is I I'm, I'm we love you. happy I heard your story. As someone who doesn't know much about it, I feel very informed and Thank you. And look up can I I'm gonna plug you only because I'm going to and I don't care. What is <laughs> where can we find your work? He has beautiful photography. Um, you can well, I'm not gonna send you to my website because it's being rebuilt right now. I'm gonna send you to A Champion Photo on, that's my Instagram thing. A champion photo on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Okay. Craig Abel champion. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you, Craig. Signing off from the closet. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Well, that was super interesting. I really liked him. Good choice of friends, Weens. That was Uh, good. He's a good guy. And I'm glad he's so open about that because it might help enlighten someone else out there. Um, Agreed. I love it. Well, yep. We will close this out and we hope that everybody got something from it. And please do follow us on social media and follow Craig. We'll put all of his social on our episode uh, description. But please do try to subscribe, follow. And if you have it in your heart to buy us a coffee, we have a link on our webpage that says support us. And it's a website called ko fi. And it's just three bucks. And that helps go toward our mics and our hosting fees and all that good jazz. So hot dog. We would love a supportive coffee from you. All right. Until next time. Love you, Weens. Bye. I love you, too. Bye. We love everybody. Bye. Test, test. Testies. Testicles. Test them. (laughs) Testicles. One, two, three. Start. Test them up and down and all around. Test the testicles. Test the testicles. Hello. Hello. Okay, ready? The 90s. Jump in, dude. We're all good. Hello. Really? Really? Is it having a resurgence already? Hi! Who is Craig? Who is Craig? He was staying at the Grand California at Disneyland. Really? Is it having a resurgence already? Interesting. Who is Craig? Craig, Craig, Craig. Who is Craig? Hello? Hello, Testicles, testicles, test them. Test them, up and down, and all around. Up and down.